With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome. It is time for another episode of cool things entrepreneurs do. This is Tom Singer, and I'm your host, and this is our eighth interview. I have to admit, I'm having a lot of fun hosting this podcast, and the feedback that I'm getting from the listeners is really positive, and so please reach out to me. You can find me on Twitter at, at Tom Singer, and that's T-H-O-M-S-I-N-G-E-R. Let me know if you, if you listen and what you think and maybe how we can improve, because we're still new, and I'm still trying to find my voice, but we're having a lot of fun, and today we have with us as our guest a PhD in economics. She is also a professor of economics and finance at the United States Air Force Academy. She was a commander in the U.S. Navy, and she is currently the CEO of Productive Leaders, where she helps corporations, government agencies, associations, and nonprofits develop leadership and productivity skills. We have with us today, Mary Kelly, PhD. Mary, welcome to the show. Thanks, Tom. I'm delighted to be here today. I'm really glad that you joined us. We're going to have some fun talking about your journey and then some of the advice that you like to give to other entrepreneurs. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about what you're doing today and and maybe the path that got you here. What I do today, Tom, is I help people increase efficiency and productivity, but as well as profit growth. We can be the greatest leaders on the planet, but if we're not actually making money, that's not as good as making money. And that makes me sound exceedingly capitalistic, like something out of the movie Wall Street. But with if you're making good profits, you can do a lot of good things with your family, with your community, for your friends, you can hire people. I fully and agree. We have to have money to make business work. We do. It's a sustainable business model that way. So that's what I try to do. Excellent. And and you, you started off, you were a commander in the Navy. So tell us a little bit about the path that you took in your career. Well, one of the great things about the Navy is you change jobs every two to three years. And the focus of most of my um, 21 years on active duty in the Navy was in logistics and uh, information issues, intelligence, things like that. And what that teaches you is creating systems, processes, and an organizational structure. So when in part of my Navy world, um, I was part of the team that ran Pearl Harbor, like the base, I was a chief of police. You get a lot of exposure to a lot of different things. And we do take a business model to running bases, which a lot of people don't realize. So uh, you, you worked in the Navy and now you actually teach at the Air Force Academy. Yes, I'm their answer to diversity. I was Navy and I'm Irish. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and you're 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 also an attractive blonde. So are you like the Kelly McGillis of Top Gun to all of these uh, oh, the, uh, these oh, cadets? 
<laughs> if only that were true. Um, oh, I'm, I could, you know, it's pretty sad when my classmates are their parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I speak on college campuses and I actually had somebody, uh, something came up about the year I was born and a girl came up after the speech and she goes, oh my gosh, you're born the same month and the same year as my mom. And she was so yeah. excited. And I was like, yeah, you just ruined my day. Yeah, well, you know, it's when when your friends now are grandparents and things like that, it, uh, you know, you don't feel that old, you know, in your head, you're still 26. So in addition to being an instructor, a professor at the Air Force Academy, though, you also have your own business. So what led you to maybe leave sort of the focus of totally working for somebody else and go off and have your own entrepreneurial venture? Well, my entrepreneurial venture is kind of how I landed back at the Air, well, at the Air Force Academy as well. I I was happy enough to, I was lucky enough to retire out of the Navy at a great point in my life. And then in the Navy, I'd been doing a lot of business work for companies. As a lot of people don't realize, you can call up the military and they'll help you do stuff. And I was one of those people. So some of the people I had helped while I was on active duty for free um, called me back and said, hey, we'd, we'd like your assistance now. And I said, well, I'm a civilian. And they said, oh, we'll pay you. And I thought, well, this is a good idea. <laughs> so that so that worked out pretty well. And part of that was in terms of conference speaking and developing some of their leaders and work like that. So that worked out pretty well. And I was traveling the country, essentially looking for a really good NSA chapter. And I course headed to Colorado there's several others out there so when we, when we say NSA we're talking about the National Speakers Association I think because you work in the government we probably want to be clear that it's not the other NSA that we're talking about. right right already got that t-shirt too exactly so yes I uh, found a good National Speakers Association chapter out here in Colorado and I landed in Colorado on a Thursday and went to a National Speakers Association meeting on a Saturday and thought well these are really nice people and um I bought a house. So it's pretty much that simple. And then because I was here, a friend of mine said, we really are looking for an economist. While there's a guy on deployment at the Air Force Academy, could you do a semester? And because I taught for about 20 years at a couple other schools, including the Naval Academy and uh, Hawaii Pacific University, that was a pretty easy fit. And that was um, a contract for 22 weeks, and it's been five years now, and I'm still there. Wow, that's exciting. So, mm. but, but a big part of your work, then, is the training that you do for other government agencies and for corporations. What is it that you love about sort of being an entrepreneur, about being in charge, forging your own path? The best thing about being an entrepreneur is every single day is completely different. You're going to deal with different clients, different industries, different problems, different ideas. Every single day is completely different. And what are the pitfalls? The pitfalls is every single day is completely different. (laughs) And the reason for that is many entrepreneurs, because there's not a set routine, set habits, and a set schedule, they find themselves floundering in a sea of what I call the hummingbird syndrome, which means that they jump on in in the morning and they go from task to task to task and they never finish anything. Or the things that are really important, they get so caught up in the little things that they never attack the big things. So I know one of the things that you teach is you teach economics and you, you, you know a lot about sort of the money side of business. Does that help you being a solopreneur, an entrepreneur? Does it help you the fact that you have a real good understanding of that? And, and how does how do other people maybe run into walls because they don't have a good knowledge of the money side? 
Oh, that's such a terrific question. So I think in some ways it hurts me when I tell people I'm an economist because then they start to fall asleep really quickly. And that can be difficult at cocktail parties and they might spill their drink. Not my listeners. They're all wide awake. They said, wow, she's an economist. (laughs) So economists are not nearly as dry. Well, yes, that's well, I can't really say that there's a lot of dry economists and, you know, you know who you are. Um, I love it because it allows me to look at the business cycle and say, okay, this is this is where we're sort of going here, are lead, leading and lagging indicators. I love reading the Wall Street Journal. I love reading The Economist, of course. And it, it allows me to stay current on what's happening in a lot of different industries. So I think that's really helpful. In running my own business, I pay attention to the numbers because, Tom, you would not believe how many small business owners, and I'm talking everything from people who run hair salons to lawyers to, you know, the person, the mom and pop store down the street to, you know, home-based businesses, they have no idea whether or not they're making a profit. So one of the things I developed for me, and I share this with all my friends, it's a profit and loss statement that all small businesses can use. And it's on my website, by the way, it's a free download. But a lot of people get into QuickBooks and it's so overwhelming that they don't use it. So this takes us back to a good old-fashioned Excel spreadsheet, which can work for a lot of businesses. I use Excel for, you know, I still keep lists on it and some some of my contacts in it. You know, we, we, we sometimes get caught up in all the technology and we think, oh, this is new and cool. Doesn't mean it's better. And I loved, and I, as you know, I love technology and I love cool and new and all that. And sometimes technology is not right at your fingertips when you need it. And sometimes, you know, printing out that one Excel spreadsheet for the month and making sure you put all your expenses in there and putting it on your cork board, that's going to get done. Whereas if you say, oh, I need to update it on my computer, I'll do that every Friday, you forget things and stuff just doesn't happen. So information and technology is great, but if you're not actually using it, you have to go with whatever works for you. So you've seen some small businesses sort of hit the wall because of not properly properly paying attention to the money side. Have you seen some of them then succeed because they learn how to simply look at their P&L? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So in economics, there's something called a break-even point. And there's that moment when your revenues exceed your costs. You're making money. But then there comes a second sometimes break-even point when people expand beyond their capability. So here, think about your Think about a restaurant, your favorite mom and pop restaurant, where maybe dad's the chef and mom is kind of the hostess and everybody knows everybody and maybe it only seats about 15, 20 people. And they are always busy and always thriving. And then they decide they're going to expand. They're going to move into the space next door. And now all of a sudden they have to hire people to bus tables. They have to hire another chef. They have to hire second shifts. Um, They've had this huge outlay of expansion with new rent, new tables. This is called menu cost, the cost of expanding. And all of a sudden, the place isn't crowded anymore. And all of a sudden, the food's not as good. And all of a sudden, the prices are higher. And then they go out of business. They've expanded beyond their second break-even point. What I mean by that is many times people think, well, if I sell more of something, that means more profit. But that's not always true. If you expand to a certain point, you can actually expand beyond your second break-even point and you expand into a loss. And here's the scary thing. Many businesses don't look at that except for once a year when they review their taxes with their accountant. 
Well, and I've talked to some of my other guests that we've had on the show, and they said one of the big problems is everybody also thinks not so much even of break even, but when they're starting out their startup costs, they think I have to have everything. I need an expensive website. Uh, For our friends who are speakers, they think, oh, I need a very highly produced video. And they spend all this money up front thinking they have to have all these things without really taking into effect that you sort of have to have cash coming in in order to pay for them either now or later. And so paying attention to the money is something that sometimes we get excited about, about the job or the or the product or the service and and we lose sight of that that's exactly right and i know that for many entrepreneurs they know there's going to be a lot of startup costs here's the scary thing tom many people never create their budget for starting their small business or even continuing their small business so one of the first things i ask my entrepreneur buddies is hey let me see your let me see your uh, budget your plan your your spending plan. And sometimes I get a lot of people scratching their head and they say, well, um, I was going to get around to doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good place to start if you want to be an entrepreneur. And then I ask them this, the, the other question, which is, where's your business plan? And again, sometimes I get the deer in the headlights. Well, I was going to get around to doing that. Or they say, well, because I don't need a loan, I really don't think I need a business plan. Well, that leads us into sort of this next question I was going to ask you is what advice do you have? And you've already given a lot of great advice, but what advice do you have for someone who says, you know, I'm just I I feel like I'm just going through the motions in my job. And and I, you know, they wake up every day and they want to hit the snooze bar 22 times and they think I want to be like Mary. I want to work for myself. What advice do you give them? Well, Mary is I was sitting on a plane, Tom, and I was coming back. And a lady next to me said, so how's your day? And it was one of those days where the day before I'd gotten on a plane at five o'clock in the morning, which meant leaving for the airport two hours before then. So I'd been up since one o'clock the day before, got into a city, worked all that day, hopped on a plane the night before, went to another city, arrived at one o'clock in the morning, got three hours of sleep, got up that morning, you know the drill, got up that day, did a job, was flying home that night to change clothes, swap suitcases, and do some work back in town the next day. And I said, well, this is about my seventh plane in three days. And the lady says, oh my goodness, who is your boss? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you should fire, you should fire that boss. I said, me. And it was kind of funny because, you know, we would never do that to someone else. But when it's your business, you you look at a schedule and you go, okay, I can get through this week or I can get through these days. And the reality is most entrepreneurs work 80 hours a week easily. Oh, and sure. I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. So this wasn't a surprise to me. But a lot of entrepreneurs think, oh, as soon as I work for myself, you know, it's sitting at home. Um, you know, watching, t- you know, doing some work with the TV on, petting the dog, having l- long lunches with my friends, going to go see Tom, eat some barbecue. And, and that's not it. It winds up being long hours, late nights. You're always thinking about your marketing plan, your next strategy, your next client, all those things. And if you let it, it will be completely consuming. Your life gets completely out of balance. I'm the first one to say um, I, I fly in and out of that zone all the time. But The good part about it is you do get to control who you work with, how you want to work, how you want to structure it. And that's what's great. Well, and, you know, I think that whether you're, you know, doing speaking and training or really any type of entrepreneur from the outside looking in, you are right. It looks glamorous. People think, wow, I want to have that lifestyle. And uh, I had Jessica Pettit on the show a few episodes ago, and, and her comment was, you know, that she gets to pick which, you know, 22 hours a day she works. (laughs) <laughs> See, that's exactly right. I love Jessica. That's exactly right. Well, and being a college speaker, most of her 
her business is condensed around the academic calendar. And so she can be gone like, you know, 150 days a year, but it's clumped into like three sections of 30 days. So she'll be gone from her from her husband for like a month. And right. it's just the the life she's chosen and, and the way it works. But people think, oh, how glamorous. And she's like, oh, yeah, it's glamorous to, to you know, have one suitcase and enough clothes to last you for a month. Well, and you're absolutely right about that. Many small business people I see, Tom, they love what they do. So let's say they they desperately love real estate and they want to be a real estate agent. That is fantastic. But being a real estate person and running a, a real estate office are two different things. The skill set that you love to do, like cutting hair or selling real estate or being a speaker – that's one part of it, but running the business is the part that's going to keep you in business. Well, and it's the part that keeps you up at night, too, because, you know, at the end of the day, I, I joke that if I ever went back to, a, you know, a corporate job, and, and I don't think I will, and, and I don't necessarily want to, but you never know what's going to happen in life. And if somebody came along and said, Tom, I got to have you on my team, and they made me an offer I couldn't say no to, I tell people all the time, I would be the best employee ever. Because after the five and a half years of working for myself and having to worry about where every dollar comes and goes, I now understand what it is to be the boss. And I probably would walk out of the office every day and and thank the boss. Thank you. Thank you for letting me come in and work for you all day. Well, and this is where I think some of my friends who were also prior military have a little bit of an advantage because – you know, we're used to ridiculous hours compressed into certain periods of time. You know, when Navy ships go out to sea for six months, you know, people think, well, um, you know, what do you do about holidays and weekends? And we, we <laughs> kind of go, what? Um, you know, the ship has to keep going. The food has to keep getting prepared. Life doesn't stop at sea because it's the weekend. And so people go, well, you mean you don't get weekends or holidays off? And, and, you know, it's almost a laughable question. And there's not any entrepreneur I know who says, oh, it's a holiday. So therefore, I think I'm not working today. It just doesn't it just doesn't happen. If you've got stuff to do, you get it done. Well, and let's talk a little bit about that military sort of experience and background. Do you think that that military background really does give you uh, the opportunity to uh, to be a better entrepreneur? I think in some ways it does. And I'll tell you why. Because for me, when you are trying to help other people follow a set of rules, you kind of write down a set of rules. If you want people to pre-flight a plane, um, you put down a checklist to pre-flight that plane. So that's what I do in my business. I say I've got a series of sort of guiding principles that I say, okay, um, this is going to be my focus. Boom. And this is my checklist. So let's say somebody calls me and says, hey, can you open a conference? Great. So I have I have a set routine on what I go through every single time to make sure that I don't miss something, to make sure that all the I's get dotted, T's get crossed, contracts go where they're supposed to go, books get shipped, all of those things. Everything is in this sort of checklist. Now, having said that, that does not mean my office is not a creative disaster. So I just want to I just want to point that right out. I create checklists to keep myself straight. I I have things organized um, in I would say not really a militaristic fashion, but it's the military certainly did teach me how to keep large amounts of information fairly well organized and um, synthesized. So that's something that I've carried through. Um, and then the other part of it is you know you're just used to not having those. You know, I, I guess if you work in some places, when you go home at the end of the day, you're finished. I, 
I was sitting at a diner next to a trucker. And I said, so what's that like? Once you drop off that load of stuff and you're heading back with an empty truck. And I said, what do you think about it? He said, nothing. He goes, I don't think about anything. I'm like, wow, that must be very liberating. Because as an <laughs> entrepreneur, you're constantly thinking of what can I do better? What can I do better? How can I innovate? What's going to be better for my client? Oh, I've got a new idea. And I think, I think because in the military, you're always thinking about your job and there's no, not really those lines between your personal and professional life when you're living in the field or living on a ship. I think that translates easily into the entrepreneurial lifestyle. So one thing I always like to ask people when they come on the show, because we could talk about you and your business or me and my business for, you know, the whole time, because that's what we know and that's what we do. But, you know, sometimes we can get caught up in that. So I always like Mm -hmm. to ask people, what do you see out there that some other entrepreneur is doing that is really cool? Because if we just focus on ourselves, it kind of gets boring. So, So what do you see someone else doing that you think he or she is doing something really cool? Well, this morning I had a conversation with Tamara Kleinberg. And I'm not sure if you know her. She's a speaker and she works on innovation. So she's always coming up with innovative things, which which is amazing to me that she can just cleverly bounce from new idea to new idea. And people bring her in in order to be innovative. And one of the things she's doing right now is an innovation assessment, but it's more than just a how are you doing? It's also a how can you be better at innovating and i think this is absolutely genius yeah that is because you know innovation is sort of the hot topic right now in business and yet it's not like we get to flick a switch in our back and just say i'm going to go be innovative today that's exactly right it's hard to be innovative especially if you've worked in the same industry for years and years and years and it's hard if you've been if you had good ideas coming in Um, so for example one of the things i ask my my business people is who have you hired recently? And if your most recent hire started seven years ago, you probably have an innovation problem. The first, the if somebody says, oh, we just hired Frank and Frank walked in the door last Friday, I want to talk to Frank because Frank is going to be able to look at things with fresh eyes after a couple of days and say, you know, this is what we could do. And Frank's probably got some great ideas. No, that's that's very, very true. And so so her her innovation thing, is it for companies to do? Is it for individuals? What is What is Tamara working on? It's uh, mostly uh, organizations, companies, associations. It's really interesting. Oh, that's great. Well, I'll have to, to check that out. So another she question. Would be oh, interview. Oh, she would be a good interview. Yeah. I don't know who she is, but I've heard her name before. Yeah, I'll introduce you. I would appreciate that. So, yeah. hey, one of the other things is, is that, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, again, it gets so easy to get caught up in your own stuff. But the most, the best entrepreneurs that I know find really unique ways to sort of give back to the greater good. So, Mary, what do you do to sort of serve the greater good? Tom, I'm so happy you asked that. And you'll find this a little bit funny, but I have, as you know, I have about 10 books out. I've got three different CDs, DVDs, all that stuff. I've got products and manuals and just all that stuff. And they're, and they're all fantastic. I've read several oh, of them. Of course, they're fantastic. Yeah. Haha. Um, and what I do is very different. So when I go to events and I, um, quote, sell products, I never sell products. What I do is I go to the meeting planner and I say, hey, Everything that that all my products that people want today, if they want them, there is a suggested price list, but it's a donation. And what happens is I always have a couple charities that I use a lot, um, but all of my books and products, everything gets donated to charity. 
And this is how that works. So let's say you're the meeting planner and you love um, Great Danes. I say great. There's a Great Dane Rescue in Austin. So um, let's make one of the possible charities to the Great Dane Rescue of Austin. And and let's say um, your daughter's cause might be another one. So we might list that, you know, whatever the meeting planner is close to, I will pick one of their causes or maybe one of their board members' causes. And then I will add in... Um, some kind of animal rescue, no-kill shelter, and then I use Together We Can Change the World, the the nonprofit that Scott Friedman kind of heads up, um, that provides clean water and support to orphanages in Southeast Asia. So I have these three or four charities, and people can designate where they want their money to go. So here's where this is great. So somebody looks at my stuff and says, I'm not sure the $20 book is a $20 book. But then they say, wait a second, if I write the check, I get a tax deduction for it. Win-win. So for me, charities I care about get funded. Things that are people who are doing good good causes in the local community where I speak get some funding, get an infusion of cash. I look like a really nice person. Um, and then I don't have to um, worry about accounting for this when I get home. Right, so I don't because- have to count up, oh, I sold seven books of this or, you know, 17 of the Master World versus seven of the 15 Ways book or whatever. So it, it makes my accounting so much easier. Um, I don't get a tax deduction for this because the charity never receives it from me. They're receiving but, it directly from from the people who are buying the books. But at the same time, you're getting your books and your other products and CDs in the hands of people. And we all know that when you get your products out there, that's how people find you for the next time they hire you. Bingo. Boy, that is really, really a smart way of doing that. My mind is already spinning because I give away. I don't like to have to deal with sales tax in every single state that you go to right. and stuff. So I stopped selling books back of the room. Plus, right. many many of the places that I speak, they don't want the speakers selling their stuff. And so I stopped right. and I just started bringing books to give away. And I don't bring a right. whole bunch of them, but my mind is spinning with, wow, I could do something very similar. And that becomes a huge win-win for you know either the meeting planners charity or the endowment that I support. That is a great idea, Mary. So let's let's talk about your endowment. So that's very close, near and dear to your heart. So let's say you're my meeting planner. And I say, by the way, um, your endowment can be one of the three places people send money today or people give money today. Now, you as the meeting planner, you are active now pushing my stuff. Oh, absolutely. So you, so you get on the platform and say, hey, today, guess what? Um, all the proceeds from Mary's you know, books, blah, 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 um, can go to this charity, this endowment, this foundation. And then the meeting planners, because they're excited about this, I never stand in the back and take money. That's something I just don't like doing. So they're the ones back there, back of the room, taking the money for my stuff. I never touch the money. And then they tally it up, they total it up, um, and then they either, the cash, they, they can either write a check, I can write a check, but we do it right there so it's clean, it's transparent. And then at the end of the conference, they say, oh, by the way, we, we raised you know $1,172 for this. And that, people get really excited about it. That is that is one of the most unique ways of positively giving back. And and as you know, the investment in the actual you know book or the CD is not all that much. So you're not, it's not like you have a big outlay involved with the actual you know, production of the actual pieces. Hey, don't tell your readers all that. These are $20 books, man. <laughs> They're expensive. They, Mary is giving away very, very expensive products. Very don't expensive, kid yourself. Very expensive stuff. Well, Mary, for, oh, go ahead. But for some things, it's just, it's just, it's a fun way to get people to do stuff. And then, um, and then some people say, you know what? Um, I didn't bring cash. I don't have a check or, you know, and I can't use my company. I go, you know what? 
do me a favor and go online and make a donation to this website and we're good. And they go, you trust me? And I go, of course I trust you. And you know what? I, I, I like to believe they do it. And most people do. I've, I've done things where people, even when the money's supposed to come to me and they don't have it, I just give them the book and say, send me a check. I think I've been stiffed like twice in 10 years. Most people, mm-hmm. most people are really good about doing what they say they do when, when they feel a connection. So I think you're right. I think people probably do go and make the donation. It's, it's one of the things I think we get to do. I'm not sure it would work for every entrepreneur giving away your stuff to a charity, but um, in our business, our business model, I think it's a kind of a fun way to do it. Oh, I think that's fantastic. Mary, I am so glad that you agreed to be one of my early guests on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do because you are clearly doing a lot of cool things. If somebody listened today, if I hope somebody listened today, if somebody listened to this episode and they think, I want to know more about Mary Kelly, how do they find you? My website is ProductiveLeaders.com. And for your listeners, there is a section called Free Stuff. And there is a free all kinds of stuff to help with your business. It's the the profit and loss statement. It's the budget statement. It's the fill in the blank business plan. It's just there's about 20 checklists there, um, ProductiveLeaders.com. And again, I put them there so that I could find them and then help my friends too. So I think that's great. Everybody go over to ProductiveLeaders.com and look for that free stuff. And if you need help with productivity skills and leadership development, be sure to find Mary Kelly. Thank you again for being on the show, Mary. And thank you to everybody who listened to this episode. We are having fun with cool things entrepreneurs do. We will be back twice a week with new interviews with cool entrepreneurs who are doing cool things. All right, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.